Welcome to the Faith Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler II. We believe today's message will empower you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Here's today's message. Say, I take eyes to see. I take ears to hear. I forgive everybody of everything. I receive supernatural debt cancellation. The word of God that I'm about to receive will enable me and empower me to make Jesus famous in my everyday life. You may be seated. Opening Bibles with me to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. We're going to start with verse 22. We're going to pick up where we left off last week. One of the things the Lord told us at the beginning of the year was to focus on three things. Focus on fullness, focus on fruitfulness, and focus on fire. And last Wednesday, we began this series, Focus on Fruitfulness, how to do that. What are the fruit that God expects us to bear in our lives, and how do we become more fruitful? So if you weren't here last week, I encourage you to subscribe to our podcast so you can get that message. And as always, you can follow along with my notes. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. One of the things we looked at last week is the fruit of the Spirit, as we've seen in Galatians 5, was presented in contrast to the works of the flesh. But when you understand the book of Galatians, how it was written and why it was written and in context, it was written to encourage believers who started out in the spirit, who are now trying to finish their Christian walk by the works of the flesh, thinking that they can do what they need to do by their own fleshly efforts. And Paul addressed that in Galatians chapter 1 and in chapter 3. He even said, I believe in chapter 3, verse 1, who has bewitched you, O foolish Galatians? He said also in the book that if you began in the spirit, do you think you can finish in the flesh? And so when we looked at the fruit of the spirit, we have to understand we don't develop the fruit of the spirit through fleshly means. You can't say, well, I'm going to increase my patience. I'm going to increase my love. I'm going to increase my joy by doing all these religious exercises. One of the things we saw when we looked at Philippians, it says they come through Jesus. You cannot develop the fruit of the Spirit or get any of the fruit of the Spirit, which are the character traits of Jesus, outside of Jesus. It has to come through him. So Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, and we'll look at the Amplified Classic Edition. It says, but the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the work which his presence within accomplishes. So notice, the Holy Spirit is working on the inside of us to bring this fruit out of us. That's one of the reasons the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you, is to bring out these nine fruit of the Spirit, which are the character traits of Jesus. Go to chapter 6, verse 7. Chapter 6, verse 7. It says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. For he that sows to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. One of the things we said last week is that if you expect to grow in the fruit of the Spirit, you need to sow to the Spirit. We talk about getting into the Word, and that's sowing to your Spirit. We talk about spending time praying in the Spirit, that's sowing to your Spirit. Because Galatians chapter 5 talks about the battle between your flesh and your reborn human spirit. It says, uh, the King James used the term, terminology, lusteth against, which is actually more correctly translated, puts pressure on. Your body is not saved. When you are born again, it is your spirit that was born again. 
You are a tripart being. You are a spirit. You have a soul, and you live in a body. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions, and it's supposed to be renewed and controlled by the Word of God. Your body won't be redeemed and fully, fully receiving the benefit of your salvation to the rapture, but it's your spirit that was born again. And so because your body's not born again, your body may want to do things that are against the Word of God and what your spirit wants to do. Even the great apostle Paul said in his writings, my body wants to do things that my spirit doesn't do. And he says, sometimes I'm successful, sometimes I'm not. He goes on in Galatians and says, well, why does the flesh put pressure on the spirit and the spirit on the flesh? Why is there a victory on one side or the other? It simply means who's stronger. So if you always feed your flesh, then your spirit's going to lose. And you'll live a life like any unbeliever would. It doesn't mean you're not saved. It just means your spirit's weak. Proverbs says, if you faint in the day of adversity, you faint because your strength is small. So whoever wins the battle of your spirit and your flesh is who are you going to feed? Because if you feed your spirit, it can put more pressure on your flesh and keep your flesh in line. And so you have to sow to your spirit if you expect your spirit to be strong. So let's go to 2 Corinthians 13. How do we sow to our spirit? How do we sow to the spirit? One of the things we began to talk about at the end of last week's message is that it's not going to be by a lot of religious exercises or fleshly efforts. It's going to come through a relationship. If you've ever had a group of really close friends and when you start hanging out together, at first you guys can all be different people. But the more you spend time together, you guys begin to pick up on each sayings and doings. You begin to understand each other, but then you guys kind of begin to blend. And it might have been, you might have been the only person doing this one specific thing, but now everybody else likes it because they spend time in the group. That's why people say, well, bad company corrupts good morals. You could be a good person, but you hang around with a bad crowd, you eventually start acting like the crowd. How much stronger if you spend time with Jesus? That if you spend time with him on a regular basis, how much would you pick up on his character? 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14. It says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. The message version says, the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Another translation of the word communion is partnership. So Paul closes his letter in 2 Corinthians saying, may the friendship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. We have to understand the Holy Spirit desires to be friends with us. Not everybody who was born again has a friendship with the Holy Ghost. When you look at the Old Testament, Abraham was called a friend of God. A number of people are called servants of God, prophets of God, faithful. But Abraham was called his friend. And there were different dealings with Abraham because he was the friend of God. How do you know that? Sodom and Gomorrah are about to be judged. God came to spend time with Abraham to talk to him about something else, and he was about to leave. He says, I can't go do this without telling Abraham. Why? He was his friend. God reveals things to his friends. God reveals things to people he has relationships with. Yes, he is our Lord. Yes, he's our Father. Yes, he's our God, but he desires to develop a relationship with us. And if we develop our relationship with the Holy Spirit, if we develop that friendship, the fruit of the Spirit will develop. 
the fruit of the Spirit will grow because we begin to become friends. Not just uh, the only time we think about the Holy Ghost is on Sunday and Wednesdays. This is a friendship that goes throughout the entire day. You communicate with him throughout the entire day. You get his opinions on things. You talk to him about what you're feeling. One of the things we have to understand is that being fake in the presence of God is not faith. Too many people have taken the word of faith and made it the word of fake. Faith is coming into the presence of God, knowing what you're going through, casting your care upon him. And because you know his word and you have faith in his word, you don't stay in the same situation you came in. You're not denying what you feel right now. You're not denying the situation. You know this is the situation. This is what I'm dealing with. But I'm not staying there because I have faith in your word. A lot of people try to pretend, well, I don't have that emotion. That's faith. No, faith is not pretending you don't have that emotion. It says we talk about faith. Faith is calling things that be not as though they were. It didn't say call things that are not as though they ain't. So it didn't say that you don't admit that you're dealing with emotions of a broken heart. It didn't say, well, nope, I don't have a broken heart. I don't have a broken heart. He didn't say, don't confess. I don't have a broken heart. What do you confess? Jesus heals a broken heart. He restores my soul. You're not denying the situation. You're denying the situation's right to stay that way. And so you have to be real with the Holy Ghost. This is how I'm feeling. This is what I am going through. This is what I am facing today. Sir, I give it to you. I seek your wisdom. Help me with this. Remember, he is the helper. Let him help. But if you act like you have it all together, he's a gentleman. He'll let you ruin your life. You have to say, hey, this is what I'm going through. This is who I am. But with you, I'm more than a conqueror. Show me how to fix this. Show me how to correct this. Show me where I'm thinking wrong. Be open. Be honest with the Holy Ghost. Just like you would be open and honest with your closest friend, that's how you have to be with the Father when you spend time in his presence. Don't just come and say all the right religious things you think you want. You think like, this is what God wants me to say. So I'm going to come and say all the these, thuses, and thous. Now, if you talk that way on a normal basis, yes, that's how you should talk with God. But if you don't even use that vocab until you read the King James, then please do not use that vocab in your prayer life. Just go before God says, hey, here I am. Even when it's, it's hard for you to use your faith and it's hard to believe, pray the prayer of the disciples. Lord, help my unbelief. You have to start from a place of reality with God. That means you have to know where you are. Because how can you use your faith if you don't even know where you are? Because you want to know where you're going and where you are right now so you know what scripture you need to stand on to get there. So when you have a relationship with someone, people can have a good relationship if one party's fake. The Holy Ghost does not want a relationship with your mask. The Holy Ghost does not want a relationship with who you pretend to be on social media. The Holy Spirit desires a relationship with the real you. You might say, but if he got to know the real me, he wouldn't want me. No, he thought you were worth dying for. Jesus came for the real you, not the fake you. 
not the churchy you, not who you pretend to be on Instagram. He came for the real you. He saw you on your worst day and still thought you were worth dying for. So you come to him as you are, knowing Ephesians 1 says you are accepted in the beloved. It doesn't matter how you come to him, just come. But because you're accepted in the beloved, he loves you too much to leave you the way you come. But if you grow and spend time with him in his presence and his word, he will grow you. You won't stay in the same place you came. All that just said, come before God as you are. That's not just something we tell the sinner. Well, come to God as you are. That's the same too. Come to God as you are. Be real with him. Go to John 4, 14. It says, who you sow to the Spirit will reap of the Spirit life everlasting. So we said, number one, develop this relationship with the Holy Spirit. Number two, when he comes to him, be you. He'll talk to you in very similar terms that you use. When you have a relationship with him, he'll use things that you like and understand to teach you about the word of God. A lot of times people think, well, the only time God will talk to me is in my prayer closet. For me, most time he talks to me, I'm not in my prayer closet. But that's been the habit of relationship I've developed with him all my life. I remember when I was a teenager, he would always talk to me while I played video games. So it got to the point I brought my prayer journal with me when I was playing my video games. Why? That's how often he would talk to me. So I'll be playing my games. He'll say something. I'll pause, write it down, go back to playing. Says, well, that was not spiritual playing video games. No, it wasn't. But he's with me. So I watch movies, watch TV shows. He gives me examples. <laughs> write it down. Well, now put it on my phone. That's having a relationship with him. That's being open and thinking the Holy Ghost is only going to be religious. He's not trapped in the church building. We don't like open the door and say, yeah, you can sneak out, Holy Ghost. Go, 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 free, be free. He's the Holy Ghost. He said he'll teach you all things, not just spiritual things, all things. He knows everything. So talk to him about everything. Instead of complaining to other people about your kids, talk to the Holy Ghost, what am I going to do with them? What am I going to do with her? Tell me what to do. What am I not seeing? The thing is, you don't have to wait for the principal or the teacher to call you about your child. The Holy Ghost should tell you ahead of time. Even if they didn't get called, they can walk in the house. Say, oh, you did what today? Did someone call you? No. And you know the kids will go, that Holy Ghost. That's one of the things I experienced as a youth pastor. The Holy Ghost would tell on those kids. To the point, they would come to youth and say, look, this is what I did today. I want to tell you before Jesus tells on me. That's not just for ministry gifts. That's for everybody. Why? Because the Holy Spirit will show you things to come. God is the God who reveals secrets. He wants to show you things. He wants to talk to you about things. One of the reasons the Holy Spirit is given in his gifts, we see in 1 Corinthians 12, is so that we all may profit. If there's some areas in your life you're not profiting, you need to spend more time with the Holy Ghost. 
John 4, 14, we know Jesus is talking with the woman in the well. And after he uses the example, he says, But so whosoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Notice, if you drink of the water, what's in you springs up to everlasting life. Paul said, if you sow to the Spirit, you'll reap of the Spirit everlasting life. The fruit of the Spirit is not going to drop down out of heaven on you. It comes out of here. And if you come before God and you spend time with Him and you drink of His Spirit, from here will rise all the fruit of the Spirit you need. But how many of you know, especially in this Georgia summer, one glass of water is not enough? Now, notice I'm saying glass of water, not Coca-Cola. Even though this is Atlanta and we love Coca-Cola, and Coca-Cola, feel free to send me an offering. But we need some water. That's what's going to rehydrate your body. And so even if you drink one glass of water, let's say you're outside cutting your lawn or outside running or exercising, one is not enough. You have to keep drinking. You have to keep drinking. The same way with the Holy Spirit, you have to keep drinking. But also the Holy Spirit is compared to water, but it's also compared to wine. Because life wasn't meant to go through sober. And it doesn't mean that, yep, pastor just gave me the permission to go get drunk as soon as I leave church. That's the word I needed. No. It says be, be filled with the Spirit and not be drunk in wine, which is excess, at least a riding in drunkenness and destruction. But you keep spending time with the Holy Ghost. He'll alter your thinking. He'll alter your vision. God, you'll have joy when you, otherwise you'd be crying. And you save a whole lot of money. You see all this money people spend to get drunk? You spend time with the Holy Ghost, you don't have to spend all that money. So much money to get drunk. You can get drunk in the Holy Ghost for free. Save your money and get drunk in the Holy Ghost. The Living Bible says it this way, but the water I give them, he said, becomes a perpetual spring within them, watering them forever with eternal life. You need more? From God, spend some time with him. And it would flow from the inside. It's not like you're trying to go somewhere. I need someone to give me more patience. No, you got it on the inside. I need some more faithfulness. I need some more self-control. Nope, you got it on the inside. You spend time with God and in his word, and he gets your mouth right, it will grow. And remember we said last week and on Sunday, it's a process. Don't get frustrated in the process. Don't, you got saved last year. That's great. Well, don't think you're going to be a 30-year-old veteran already. It takes time. It's like, oh, I messed up. Stop beating yourself up. You repent about it? Yeah, I did. Well, Jesus doesn't remember it, so you don't remember it. If Jesus ain't still talking to you about it, then you don't talk to you about it. Because, oh, I feel so bad. That's not God. People say, oh, I felt bad, and then I got convicted about this sin so that I knew God was dealing with me about it. The Holy Ghost didn't deal with you about that sin. 
Jesus says he was sent to deal with you about the sin of unbelief. First, John says your heart condemns you. It ain't the Holy Ghost. It's your spirit saying you messed up. The Holy Ghost will only talk to you about not believing on Jesus. And the root of most sin is not believing on Jesus. So don't think, well, the Holy Ghost is going to beat me up because of all the bad things I do. No, he's going to talk to you about believing on Jesus. So don't think you come to him and he's going to put all your list of sins. That's not his personality. That's not his method of operations. If he didn't bring up Saul's sin after he got saved, what makes you think he's going to bring up yours? The only person who talked about Saul's sin was Saul and the church. The Holy Ghost never brought it up. So you come to God as you are. You commit all your mistakes. You confess your sins. But the Bible says he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. The Holy Ghost is not going to keep saying to you, sin, sin, sin. He's going to keep telling you righteousness, righteousness, righteousness. Grace, grace, grace. Holiness, holiness, holiness. And holiness is not concentrating on not sinning. Holiness is concentrating on living like Jesus. Whatever you focus on, you'll begin to mirror. Now, if you focus on not sinning, what are you thinking all the time? Sin. So what are you going to do? Sin. You focus on living like Jesus, what are you going to do? You're going to start living like Jesus. You spend time with the Holy Ghost, your relationship becomes a mirror of Jesus. And the more you stare at the mirror, the more you look like him. Let's go to John 15. Number three, remember that all the fruit of the Spirit are on the inside of you. John 15. Verse 4, abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except you abide, stay, remain, or dwell in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me, and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Nothing. That word without means separate. You're, you're born again, you never be without Jesus. But you can live separated from him and still be a Christian. You can live separated from him, still come to church. Does the Holy Ghost have free reign in your life where you let him direct you? Because if not, then you're just a good churchgoer. You have to stay connected. And that doesn't happen just by praying in the morning. It's good you pray in the morning. You should pray in the morning. But it's throughout the day you're listening. That Holy Spirit, you have permission, free will. Tell me whatever you want to tell me. Even if I don't want to hear it, tell me. Even if it's going to get on my nerves, tell me. You give him that free will, that free permission. Yeah, whatever you want. And when you have that gentle nudge, because a lot of people think if the Holy Ghost is involved, he's going to rush up and grab me and shake me. That's not how he operates. It's the still, small voice or the gentle nudge on the inside. Follow that nudge. Follow that voice. The more you do, the more it develops and the clearer it becomes. 
People say, well, I can't hear from God. Well, go back and do the last thing he said. Your hearing will improve. Some people think, oh, well, look at that person. They hear so well from God. Well, they spend a lot of time with them. You spend time with someone enough, you know their voice better than you know other people's voices. So you have to spend time with them so it develops. That you live, as Amplified Classic Edition says, vital union with him. You can get to a place where you walk with God to such a point, you live like you're one. Oh, we can't do that. Yes, you can. That's why Jesus came. To give you the opportunity to live in one with him. So you don't have to have a bracelet that says, what would Jesus do? People look at you and they understand what Jesus would do. That's our goal, to be living representatives of Jesus on this earth. Go to Philippians chapter 1. We'll look at chapter 15 later on in the series. But also, I believe it's in chapter 16. It says, God desires fruit that would remain. Because some people produce fruit and it's there for a few seasons. A couple years later, you can even tell they actually used to bear fruit. He wants this fruit we produce to grow, and he wants it to last. Why? Why is that so important? Amplified Classic Edition of chapter 1, verse 11 of Philippians says, May you abound in or overflow and be filled with the fruits of righteousness, of right standing with God and right doing, which come through Jesus Christ, the anointed one, to the honor and praise of God, that his glory may be both manifested and recognized. The New Living Translation says, May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. The message version, the last part says, bountiful and making Jesus Christ attractive to all, getting everyone involved in the glory and the praise of God. So what happens if we overflow and be filled with the fruits of the Spirit? It brings God glory and honor, yeah. But we begin to make Jesus famous, not even by miracles. I mean, by signs and wonders, a great acts of power. But our character, our character can make Jesus attractive to people. I forgot what other false religion leader said. He says, I like Jesus. I just got the problem with the Christian. Because some people will never crack open a Bible, never listen to a podcast, never watch religious TV, but they'll watch you. And your life may be the only Bible they ever open. And I'm not saying you have to be perfect because we all have different issues. We're all at different places of our development. But with you putting in effort to grow and focus on fruitfulness, people will see Jesus in your life. If you focus on fruitfulness, they'll see enough Jesus to want to come know him. I'm not saying you can be perfect. You will make mistakes. What happens when making mistakes? Repent and brush it off. Go to Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Don't focus on being perfect. Because if you do, you'll become legalistic and you won't be perfect. Focus on fruitfulness. As a result, you will mature 
and become more like Jesus and get the desire you wanted anyways. Don't focus on perfection. Focus on Jesus. Focus on relationship. Focus on spending time with God. Focus on being in the Word. And that perfection will grow. But if you focus on trying to keep a list of rules, you will fail. You have to focus on the one who loves you. What did we look at Hebrews 12 last week? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So when we're running the race, don't look to the left, don't look to the right. Look at Jesus. Don't even look, am I running correctly? Look at Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. When did Peter begin to sink? When he took his eyes off Jesus. He was already doing the impossible. People would have said, there's no way Peter can walk on the water. He's already been walking on the water for a while now. The wind had been going for a long time. The waves had been going for a long time. But he didn't notice it until he took his eyes off Jesus. And when he took his eyes off, he began to sink. He didn't say he sank. He began. Some of you, well, it feels like I'm sinking. You took your eyes off Jesus. Look at him. Don't look at your own fleshly efforts. Don't think, well, what can I do by myself? You're not by yourself. Christian, you'll never be by yourself ever again. Even if, as Psalm says, your mother and your father forsake you, remember, it is God who will lift you up. Paul said, everybody left me, but when everybody left me, Jesus walked in. So you'll never be by yourself, even if everybody deserts you. No, Jesus is with you. He will never fail you nor forsake you. He's got your back. Philippians 1, verse 6, I'm going to read it from Amplified Classic Edition. It says, and I am convinced and sure of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will continue unto the day of Jesus Christ, right up to the time of his return, developing that good work and perfecting and bringing it to full completion in you. Now, we know we have our responsibility towards grace and things we're supposed to do. We know we have commandments of God we're supposed to follow. But notice whose job it is to perfect me. Notice whose job it is to bring me to full completion. Notice whose job it is to get me ready for the day of the return of Jesus. I have a part to play, but it's not my number one assignment to do so. It's the assignment of the greater one who lives only inside of me. My job is to follow him. It's his job to get me ready. So don't think it's all on you. It's not. It's on the greater one, the comforter, the encourager, the Holy Ghost, whom the Father has sent in Jesus' name. So let him lead you. Let him guide you. That's why Galatians 5 talks about we must walk habitually in the Spirit. What does that mean? We order our life around the fruit of the Spirit. We live in the Spirit. Now, it's not a spooky place. Like people come up and talk to you, and the first thing you say is hallelujah, and you begin to shake. That is not living in the Spirit. That might be living in Casper, but that's not living in the Holy Ghost. What is living in the Spirit? You're following the leading of the Spirit. You're walking in the character traits, the fruit of the Spirit. And you have power. You're keeping your eyes 
on Jesus. Because that's who it's all about. We must not forget it is all about Jesus. And everything he's doing is bringing everything unto himself. Bringing everything together. So you don't even get disturbed by what you see on the news. Just know he's causing it all to work out for our good. He's causing everything to work towards his plan. Nothing going on in the world has caught him off guard. Know that he has a plan, and you get before him and say, how do I fit in your plan? Because if you're born at such a time as this, you're in the plan. You weren't meant for Bible days. You were meant for this day. You have to understand Peter, James, and John weren't meant for this day. They weren't anointed for this day. Elijah, John the Baptist, Noah, Abraham, they weren't meant for this day. They weren't anointed for this day, but you are. And all the people we read about are watching us right now, cheering us on because we have the last leg of the race. Because we are meant for this time. We are meant for this season. We are meant for where there's so many spirits of Antichrist seizing the earth that previous generations would have shaken under the weight. But we are meant for this time. We are meant for the season. We are meant to walk in greater revelation than the people who came before us. We're meant to walk in such things as Paul says the angels desire to look into. We're meant for this time. So don't let Satan talk you out of it. That's why you see such an increase in suicide and depression. Yes, mental health problems are real. But you also have to understand there is a spirit realm as well. And so he'll go after people with callings and graces to snuff them out. He tries to assassinate his competition. Don't listen to those voices. That's not going to make anything better. Follow the Holy Ghost. He loves you. I hope you enjoyed today's message. We never want to close a broadcast without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So if you've never asked him into your heart, you've never made him your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me today and mean it from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died for me, but on the third day, you raised him from the dead. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit and help me to live this Christian life. If you prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart, we believe you've been born again. We ask that you email us at info at FCCGA.com. That's FCCGA.com to let us know about the decision you've made for Christ today. Have an amazing day.